Plantrepreneurship, otherwise known as entrepreneurship in the planty space that is growing these days, feels like it's at an all-time high with the massive shifts our society has gone through. People are feeling more drawn to plants and so many businesses are popping up designed to serve our plant community. And many members of our community are looking to transition into the worlds of plants themselves professionally. I've noticed more and more plant consultants popping up on my social media feeds. And when I was thinking about how I could bring some inspiring plantrepreneurs onto the show, celebrity plant stylist and plant talk or planty TikTok star Reagan Kastner came to mind. I've had my eye on Reagan since she took planty TikTok by storm earlier in 2020 when I was too scared to jump on the bandwagon. You might have seen her short plant care videos on BuzzFeed in your TikTok algorithms or even on the Kelly Clarkson show. But Reagan, a serial entrepreneur with a really interesting career path, has used social media to her advantage to grow her planty business as a plant stylist and consultant. And she actually has several planty businesses, which she gives us an inside look at how she started, how she grew them, and the ups and downs of her planty entrepreneurial journey. All here today on episode 138 of Blue Mangrove Radio. Hello, plant friends. I hope you've had beautifully planty weeks. I have. I finally put all of my plants back after coming back from my honeymoon. I grouped them all together. We left for 12 days. And I have to say, my plants were so happy when I got home. It's always so upsetting (laughs) when you get home from a trip away and your plants just happen to be thriving in spite of your absence. But happy to report, most of the plants are very happy and or recuperating. The grouping them together while I was away certainly worked very well, and I'm so happy to be back with all my plant babies. And I'm also so excited to share this conversation with Reagan. She is awesome. Plant friends, I can tell you firsthand that entrepreneurship is not all of it seems on Instagram. It can be isolating. It can be tough at times. And it was so refreshing to hear Reagan talk so candidly about building her planty business and her planty journey. And It's been a while since I've done a planty business episode. I have a planty business series on this podcast where these episodes kind of pop up here and there where I interview a planty entrepreneur or talk about an aspect of business because many members of our community are trying to transition into the plant space. But there's a lot that goes to it behind the scenes, and Reagan really tells us a lot. Let's hear from Reagan and get some amazing tips on how to become a plant stylist, where to start, what to do, and maybe even some tips on how to grow a planty TikTok. All right, here's Reagan. Welcome, Reagan, to Bloom and Grow Radio. I'm so excited to finally connect. I'm so excited as well. Thanks for having me. Oh man, I'm so excited to finally have a little plantrepreneurship chat with you after following you on Instagram and TikTok. You have had such a meteoric rise this year in the plant space and I feel like are a great example of using social media to your benefit to grow your business. And you have so many different planty businesses going on. I can't wait to dive in. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise, I always am spying on your podcast. I was just listening to one before we jumped on here. So I'm so excited to finally be able to chat with you. Oh, cool. Well, and I have to say, female planty entrepreneurs, how fun is this? Yes, (laughs) I love it. I love giving advice and hearing from other entrepreneurs and trading secrets. It's like my favorite topic. So Mm -hmm. so excited to be able to talk about that today. Absolutely. And I definitely feel like in 2020 and 2021, there seems to be a surge of people who are reevaluating their lives, reevaluating what they do for a living, wanting to spend more time with plants and then therefore maybe transition 
into plantrepreneurship, but there's so many things that you don't see on an Instagram feed that go into the hustle and the grind. So before we dive into that, why don't you share a little bit about how you became the plant lady that you are today? Absolutely. So I think my relationship with plants started when I was a little kid before I knew it. My grandmother, she had succulent, she had a beautiful patio and succulents all over the patio. And to this day, I, you wouldn't imagine how many succulents she has shoved on there. She doesn't even go out there anymore, but so many succulents. So I was always surrounded by them. And then my mom, it's so funny. She always brings us up in high school. She had a lot of house plants. We stayed in an apartment at that time. And she had so many house plants crammed in there. And I used to make fun of her. I'd be like, mom, like another plant in the house. Like what a weirdo. I used to take like Instagrams, like making mm-hmm. fun of her doing that. <laughs> so um, they were in my life then, but they weren't necessarily a huge interest of mine until after college plants started to become on the rise then just in general. And I remember getting my first succulent. And from there, I just really dove into a love for plants, but I didn't necessarily start work with them till later. I don't know if you want me to jump straight into that, but um, yeah, I, I really developed this love and passion for them first and learning how to take care of them on my own and decorating my house with them. But it's just so funny that I was always surrounded by them, but I didn't necessarily think of it as a huge hobby of mine until years later. Mm, Cause I guess when, whatever you grew up with is normal. So you're like, yeah, plants are like having a couch. You have plants exactly. because you have a couch and you have a kitchen table and you have all the normal things. Yep. That's so nice. So you've kind of always had an intuitive knowledge of plant care and how to keep them alive. Exactly. And you didn't go to school for horticulture, right? What was your education background in? So no, I didn't get a degree in horticulture. My degree was in advertising. And um, my first job out of college, I was a creative director for an online retailer of yoga pants. And it was kind of like the Nordstrom's online for yoga pants. And that job, I was learning marketing, doing marketing, graphic design, photography, all the things, very overwhelming. And so... I ended up getting really overwhelmed and deciding to quit that job. And that was my first launch into entrepreneurship because I thought I was just going to quit and freelance do graphic design for a couple of months before I looked for another job. Never went back, spoiler alert. So it was about maybe six years ago that I first quit my nine to five and went into this journey. And so it really started with graphic design first. And then I transitioned into photography because I got a lot of demand for photography And it's funny how photography blended right into plants because I had a client who was a smoothie shop and they had plants all over the place. And I always admired their plants. I love taking pictures of their plants. And the business owner had said to me in passing one day, you know, I need to hire someone to help take care of these plants. And it would be such a good business idea for somebody to, you know, come in, take care and bring in plants. And Ironically, I didn't think of myself. I thought of one of my best friends who we shared this love for plants together and she was kind of looking for a new side hustle. So I mentioned it to her and I got her hired to start taking care of their plants. And she goes, we're like the plant doctors. And I used to go help her. And I thought as a marketing background, that's a genius name. Yeah. You were like, let me buy that URL real quick. (laughs) Exactly. I might check Instagram right now. Is that available? It was. And then I also had this love for business already because starting freelance as graphic design and photography, I had to learn all those things, setting up an LLC, handling your finances, potentially hiring people to help you, all those things, business plans. 
And so it was very easy to translate that into this business. And so I, I just kind of started helping her naturally. Next thing you know, me, her, and one other girl had started this business and we were, you know, three partners in this first plant business. Wow. So that's kind of how I got started in the whole transitioning from advertising, photography, and just a hobby with plants to actually working with them. That's amazing though, because I feel like having the marketing background has lent you, I'm sure just, it must be so helpful to have that understanding of a product that you intuitively are going to figure out, but understanding how to pitch it and market it, you know, make the graphic design elements that you need for the Instagram or the website or whatever it is. Yeah. It's amazing how everything has come full circle and I use all my skills. Although then it also becomes tricky because when you know how to do everything, you can't do everything. So you have to decide how to delegate those tasks. And that's definitely another lesson that has taken me, I mean, I'm still actively working on that every day. Yeah, me too. Me too. Oh my God. So hard. So much easier said than done. Right. Sometimes I find I'll give that advice to other people and then I won't take it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh boy. And then where does Style Lush come in to all? So we have, we started with the photography company that also was running alongside the plant doctors, which is your plant consulting company. And then Style Lush is also a third company you have circling around. Right. So the plant doctors, we were basically mostly working with businesses, either office spaces, hotels, restaurants. We were bringing in plants, plant styling their spaces, and then taking care of them. And my partners, they also really liked going into individual like residential homes and helping them take care of their plants as well. I had kind of a different vision. I really wanted to grow and expand this business and take things digital, kind of what I ended up doing now. And they wanted to keep things small for them. They wanted it to be a low stress job, something that they really enjoyed doing every day. Whereas I wanted it to be something I enjoyed doing every day, but I also just had these financial goals. And I really wanted to expand into something way b- bigger beyond me where I'm hiring employees, whereas they really wanted to be hands-on themselves. Totally valid, two different goals. We kind of eventually realized that after the first year. And so I was like, you know what? I'll let you guys have this and do what you want with it. At the beginning, actually, I thought I was just going to go back into photography because I'm like, if we have different goals, it's going to be tough every day making decisions. So I'm like, I'll just go back, let you do that. I'll go back to my photography thing. Then I was talking to my dad and he goes, you know, just because you didn't work with that original business plan doesn't mean you have to stop working with plants. And it could even be to a different capacity. And I was kind of like wrestling with the idea of doing that and competing with them because they're still Mm, my friends, Yeah, you know? So it was a hard decision, but I ended up deciding to start Stylish. And originally it was supposed to be a plant rental business for events. So I had actually landed a gig with Nike. So I was going to put plants at a Nike event and then the pandemic hit. So it's kind of funny how, so that was the first transition, right? Plant mm-hmm. doctors, plant styling to stylist. So that wrapped in like 2019 and 2020 is when you were kind exactly. of taking it into stylish. Okay. Yep. Very beginning of 2020. And so then the pandemic hit, I never ended up doing that first gig. But I had already photographed all my plant inventory. I had already made a website. I had already put that all up. And it was just kind of sitting there. So then I make my first TikTok just out of nowhere. And that blows up. So now I'm doing, I'm all of a sudden now a plant influencer talking about plant tips because I had really nothing else to do. All my photography clients were mainly restaurants and hotels. So they weren't doing anything. Mm. Events were done. So I had no income at the moment, nothing to do. So I'm like, why might as well take, make TikToks. And then I realized, okay, how can I monetize this? I already have this website 
this brand. I already paid for the LLC name. What if I were to make this an online plant shop and sell my inventory because I already have these resources versus renting them? And, and I did. So then this is the second phase. I had made Stylush into an online plant shop and I was shipping plants all over the country and pots as well from a bedroom in my house. So in the pandemic, in the pandemic, wow. it was nuts and making TikToks. Oh my God. Yeah. So I did that for a while. And Talk about resiliency. You're like a tomato plant. I feel, you know, those, I think of this all the time in business when you see a tomato plant that gets knocked over and then due to phototropism, it just grows in like in a 90 right. degree. Yeah. I feel like you're that story. You're this like wonky plant that's just turning towards the light constantly, right? You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I was doing the plant shop for a while and then I started getting burnt out. And this is something I think everyone faces just either as an entrepreneur, but also as an influencer making content, you know, I, it became not fun for me. And also life at that time was really stressful for all of us, myself included. So it all became really unfun. And I was like, okay, maybe I should strip back and just focus on growth with TikTok for a little while because the monetization can come later. And so I did. So stylish kind of got put on hold again. It still existed, but I, I wasn't, I took down the shop and I went back kind of to photography mainly and to making content. So then part three started where I started getting inquiries for plant styling. And I kind of went back to my roots of what I was doing with plant doctors, but now under the name of stylish. So now I am back to doing plant styling this time, bigger projects, you know, big hotels, big celebrities. And that is better because it's less frequent. So I have more time to make content. I have so many big dreams about relaunching my plant shop online. And oh God, there's so many things I want to do, but I've realized less is more. All those things can come. I need to build a team slowly. And that's kind of where I'm at today. Hot take plant friends. There is no one right starter plant. There, I said it. And you know what? While I'm at it, there are also no real plant killers in the world. There are just people who have not figured out their right plants for their lifestyle. This is why I created the free Plant Parent Personality Test. Because, Plant Friend, I want you to get thriving alongside your houseplants as quickly as possible. So I made this cutie little Plant Parent Personality Quiz that's totally free for you on my website to take the guesswork out of building your plant collection effortlessly and joyfully. After speaking to thousands of members in our community, I realized that there are about five key plant parent personalities, each one with their unique set of strengths, weaknesses, and a unique set of plants that thrive under their care. For example, a mindful plant parent, someone who wants to engage with their plants daily, use them in their morning routines. If someone gifted that plant parent a succulent and they watered it every day, that succulent would die immediately. However... That drought-resistant succulent is a perfect match for a low-key plant parent, which is someone who travels, has kids, is busy, doesn't have time to engage with their plants every day. They're looking to engage with their plants more like once a week or once every couple of weeks. In addition, obviously, to understanding your light and basic plant care that we provide on this podcast, Happy Plant Parenthood is all about discovering your personality and then picking the right house plants to go with it. It's that simple. No more stressing over your collection. So what plant parent personality type are you, plant friend? All you got to do to find out is take my free quiz on my website and let me know. You can access it at growingjoywithmaria.com slash personality. After taking the test, you'll get an email with a list of plants, podcast episodes, and planty projects that I think would light you specifically up like a full spectrum grow light. 
So once again, that's growingjoywithmaria.com slash personality for your free plant parent personality test results. So right now you would say your energy is refocused back on stylish and the consulting aspect of it. Yes, that and also creating content because I think so many big opportunities can come from the content. And so it's really important to keep focused on that. And I realized when you're suffering this burnt out issue, part of the problem is that you're not creating space to play anymore because it's become a job and your hobby you've turned into a job. Content creation was a hobby for me. Plants was a hobby for me. And when I turned that into something that is work, it became more. And so I realized, even though I know I can do all the things, like you mentioned, I can do the photography, I can do the marketing. I I have all these skills. If I do them all and I do all these businesses, I won't do anything because it all becomes so dreary. So I've really had to scale back saying no to things, not starting the plant shop again, not taking on every little project. And um, it's been really helpful to have extra time to be bored and play, be creative with plants again. And now I'm really enjoying photography again. I'm really enjoying styling again. And I'm actually really enjoying content again. And all those things for a second had become so overwhelming. Mm. Oh, wow. I can really relate to that. Mm-hmm. How do you have the intuitive sense to do this pruning in your business? Do you have a business coach? Do you have an advisory board? How are you able to zoom out? Cause I feel like in my struggles of entrepreneurship, it's that I'm in so deep that I cannot see the forest for the trees. Like I can, I can't pull myself out and coach myself through that. So is that just something that comes naturally to you? No, it doesn't. One, just learning the lesson the hard way. Like I said, I've been doing this for six years now. So even these lessons I've been learning from photography and all sorts of other businesses that I've been doing. But also my dad is a really good resource for me. I am really lucky that he's not an entrepreneur himself, but he has a lot of friends that are, and he's in the business. And so he understands, he's always offered me really good advice and been a good person for me to voice things to, and him kind of rattle back what I'm actually telling him, but I don't realize I'm telling him. Mm -hmm. And then I also have a manager now and it's somebody that I went to high school with. And now she, she works with big time celebrities. She's way out of my league, but she has taken such an interest in me. And so she is the one now that is kind of double checking me saying, Reagan, don't start that yet. You know, you can do it later. Focus on the bigger goals. And so I do have that now, but no, it's not intuitive to me. I really struggle. And I do rely on saying these out loud to other people and having them remind me of what my bigger goal is. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I think entrepreneurship, I think, and one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, if you had hindsight 2020 in your first year of entrepreneurship, like what advice would you maybe give a plant entrepreneur? So I guess you've had many first years of entrepreneurship, but it sounds like that's one of your biggest lessons learned that you maybe, I mean, I know it's a lesson that I wish I learned a lot earlier, especially outsourcing. Well, you know, you do have to make mistakes in the beginning. You can't really skip the trying a bunch of different things to figure out what you want to do. So I wouldn't necessarily say don't do that in the beginning because like I've tried so many things and I'm glad I did because it really has brought me to where I am. Mm -hmm. But know when you're taking on too much. I also would say make sure your expectations are aligned in what I mentioned earlier about training a hobby into work and make sure that you're actually okay with that. Your relationship with that hobby is going to change. So if you really love plants and they're your meditation, they're your therapeutic thing to do, 
make sure that you have other things that are, you know, offering that same level of satisfaction for you, because you have to understand that that may not be such a therapeutic thing for you anymore when it's also bringing in income. It might, I'm not saying that happens for everyone, but you have to be okay that that is a risk you're taking. And the other thing is systems. You really have to get systems for every single thing you do down as soon as possible. So when you realize that a task is going to be something that you do multiple times right away, you know, get organized. Even if it's just dropping files from your phone onto your computer, don't wait to organize that into folders because then going back and trying to organize things later, it's going to take you much more time from the very beginning, have organized folders, whether it's finances, finding suppliers, you know, any anything, you know, you really have to be organized. And my last tip would be, I don't remember who told me this advice, but it stick with me every single day. Everyone is making things up as they go. Even Steve Jobs is making things up as, as he went. So you have to remember that. And when you're, so say you're starting a plant shop or you're going to be a plant stylist and you have to find resources, it's really intimidating because these people are pros and you don't know what you're doing yet when you go to your first supplier, let alone, you might not even know the name of some of the plants, every single one of them. And so it's important to remember when you get intimidated that they didn't know what they were doing once upon a time and they still don't, they're still making it up as they go. And that, that piece of information has gotten me way further than I could have imagined because I'm not afraid to do things that I don't know how to do and figure it out as I go. One of my favorite books ever is called You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. And she has a great line in her book that says, see how much you can get away with. Well, what if I, you know, shot for that job? What if I asked that guy that I feel like is out of my league out? What if I could get away with that? And frequently you can, not that you can get away with it, but it's that you have limiting beliefs that you need to just kind of break through. So let's talk about plant styling and being a plant consultant, because I've had so many people reach out to me saying that they're interested in that. Can you walk us through what that experience for you really feels like and what the logistics of it really is? Sure. Well, first off, it's always taking me longer than I think it's going to take me. It always costs me more than I think it's going to cost me. So that's something to factor in. But the first step is obviously finding clients. A lot of it for me has always been word of mouth from that first client. You know, you've got to put it out to the universe that you do something and then things will follow suit. So you got to go meet the client, see what their expectations are. And then I think the hardest obstacle is finding suppliers in the beginning. I was listening to your episode about how to start a plant shop. And I did the same thing that she mentions, which is kind of acting like a little spy going into plant shops, Mm -hmm. seeing who their suppliers are. Sometimes you have to ask people who their suppliers are, but, and I don't have a easy answer for somebody starting a business because it depends on the city that you live in. And even within the city, there's so many options and it's not an easy thing to find on Google. You really have to go out and physically (laughs) search for these places sometimes. And then um, going in and actually doing the install, there's so many things you have to remember. Like you have to bring a broom because you have to clean up, clean up at the end, finding the right ladder, you know, making sure, okay, I'm going to put plants up there, but can I put a standard ladder in this space? That's an obstacle that I face often. How am I going to actually water it after? Or who am I going to have help me water because you're going to do all this work and then they just let it die. That's so sad. So that's a thing that I face. And then having help is really important because 
doing a project by yourself, you just, there's always a point where you hit where you're like, I'm out of my league with this project. I watch some home DIY Instagram influencers and they always say the same. I'm at this part in the project where I realize I'm in over my head and I know I can get through it, but I have to push past this moment. Mm-hmm. It's always nice to have someone else there because usually your moments of being tapped out are different. And so you can kind of be like, oh, it's okay. You got this, you know? So finding a good team is really important. And then of course you got to remember to invoice and have a good contract and all those things. I think those are the main components of plant styling that take up the most of my time. How do you figure out quoting with invoicing? Because is it that, because you also have to supply the plants when someone hires you to say, you very like famously did the gr- huge green wall installation at Clubhouse, which is this big fancy place in, in I think, California, right? In yep. LA. I um, you have to source and pay for the f- plants up front. Yes. Then you have to quote for your labor. Then you have to quote for your helper's labor. You have to construct the wall and do all of these things. So how do you take that pricing into consideration? Oh gosh, okay, this is a, it's a hard one for sure. Especially for me, because I'm now at this point taking on projects in different cities. So I have to find new suppliers each time and it's a guessing game. I always overestimate how much things are going to cost a little bit to allow for wiggle room for things that end up coming up, you know, there's always something, but yeah, I just, I find their pricing sheets. I account for that. I add on my own margin to, to profit off that a little bit. So for me, I charge for the plants and then I charge them a little bit less. So I buy them at wholesale prices, right? And then I charge my customer a little bit less than normal retail. In order to buy wholesale plants, uh, what license do you have to get? You have to have a business license and a reseller's permit, which is different in each state. Um, so for Oregon, it's pretty simple because we don't have sales tax. And that's the real purpose of a resale permit is so that the wholesaler is not going to be liable if you don't charge sales tax because wholesale doesn't have any sales tax because the government knows that they're going to be getting that from the actual sale of the good. So um, in California, it's a little bit more tricky and I had to get full-on business license in California, separate from the business license I have in Oregon to be able to do that. But yeah, I do have a whole thing set up so that I can buy from any supplier that I want and then be able to mark it up a little bit, but also offer a discount for my customers. Got it. So you're marking up a little bit of the margin, but not as much as they would be buying it at a plant shop. And then also factoring in wood and pots and soil and all that kind of stuff. Right. So some of that markup accounts for that. Like I don't charge them for three bags of soil. I take that on as my own pots. I do charge for, I don't charge for things like neem oil. I also have other costs like, you know, cutting shears and whatever else. I, all sorts of tools Mm -hmm. I end up having to buy that I don't include in the invoice. Um, so the markup does cover for that. And then I charge a separate service fee as well, kind of based on my hourly rate for actually doing the install itself. Plant friends, whether you live in the teeniest studio apartment or a sprawling farmhouse, Modern Sprout offers simple, stylish, and sustainable green thumb solutions for every home. And they seriously have a giftable planty product for everyone, whether it's for a ultra beginner gardener or whether it's for your most experienced plant friend enthusiast, or maybe even for yourself. 
So we know that I love their smart app enabled grow lights. They're all over my house, the grow bar, the grow house. But as Black Friday is approaching, I thought it would be fun to talk about their gift bundles and their candle grow kits because their packaging and their products are so freaking cute and so freaking giftable. So they launched these new gift bundles that are beautifully designed. They have plastic free packaging. You don't even have to wrap them. They're so beautifully packaged. And they have three different bundles for three different lifestyles. So they have the plant parent kit, which comes with a really nice matte black plant tweezers, a stylish soil scoop, which is like metal and super stylish. I've always wanted one of those and a really pretty plant dusting brush. So these are articles that the plant parent who has everything might not have. That would be a great gift for them. They have the Growing Gourmet, which comes with their famous self-watering basil grow kit. So that has everything you need to grow basil. It also comes with a set of their best-selling pruning shears. I love these shears so much. I have three of them. A tea towel with tips for using herbs and then their herb pull and pinch dish. So for anyone who wants to grow and harvest and cook with their own food, that's a great option. And then last but not least, their third kit is actually called the Garden Party and it's mixology tools for the budding bartender. So it comes with a rosemary self-watering grow kit, a citrus reamer, a jigger, and a glass infusion bottle. These are super great giftable ideas and they come in at $65. So if you're looking for a great maybe teacher or hostess gift that's under $15, I can't suggest their candle grow kits more. Oh my God, I love the candle kits. So it's basically two for the price of one. It's a candle that's delightfully scented that you burn down and then the kit comes with the media and seeds that you need to grow a plant that matches the scent of the candle. So I loved their glow and grow kits last year and this year they've added a line called rooted candles which have a beautiful matte ceramic vessel with botanical scent seeds and it's packaged in a super giftable plastic free box. And I'll keep some of these candles just like in my pantry. So if we have like a last minute dinner invitation or something, I can just grab one and it makes a great hostess gift. It would make a great stocking stuffer, a teacher gift. They're just the best. I love them. If you're looking for a deal while you're shopping this season, Modern Sprout has its biggest discount of the year on Black Friday. They offer 30% off all products. Crazy. It's a great time to snag their higher priced items like their grow lights or those gift sets that are a little pricier or that watering can of theirs that I won't shut up about. And if you're shopping others days besides Black Friday, because my coupon code won't work on Black Friday, but if you're shopping on the other days and you still want to steal, you can use my coupon code BLOOM21 at checkout for 15% off at modsprout.com. But definitely swing by modsprout.com and see all of the adorable, amazing planty products that they've got for you and all your friends. Okay, Wally Grow, a longtime partner of the podcast who we know because I have been obsessed with their stylish and sustainable eco and loop planters for a long time now, has just launched the most adorable home line in partnership with the artist Living Pattern. So before I tell you about their planters, which is how I first got to know Wally Grow, and I freaking love them so much, I have to plug this new home line first. If you've seen the adorably planty masks that I've been rocking on Instagram with all sorts of botanical plant patterns, you've seen their partnership with Living Pattern. It's her design. It's these gorgeous botanical-inspired prints, and so they've expanded it, and now they've got a whole line of home items ranging from placemats to pillowcases in these amazing planty patterns that you have to check out. I'm obsessed with the placemats. 
But today I want to wax poetic about my first love of Wally Grow, their eco wall planter, which is the planter that I use to install the green wall of my dreams in our old apartment in New York City. Oh, I miss that green wall so much. It brought me so much joy. If you have ever dreamt of any version of a green wall in your home, the eco planter is definitely the answer to your prayers. It was so surprisingly easy to install. I actually installed this green wall and the planters in two different homes. They're so easy to install. They come with everything you need to install in the box, but it's literally as simple as one screw in your wall and then basically hanging the planter on top of the fixture. If you need a full demo, you can check out my YouTube video where I show you the ins and outs of the eco planter and how I installed my green wall. But the other cool thing about the eco planters that plant parents will appreciate is my plants really thrived in them. They're really designed with plant health and plant happiness in mind. They're leak proof. They have this very easy to use and strategically designed water channel in the back of the pot. And for you design enthusiasts, they come in a wide color variety so you can match any design aesthetic that you have. And they're actually offering discounted mix and match color options, which are perfect for gift giving. And speaking of gift giving, they sell six inch plants on their website now to go with the Ecos. So you could actually give someone like an entire Greenwall kit if you wanted to, which would be so fun for the holidays. I also love their loop planter, which is their answer to tricky hanging planters. It is amazing. And I love that both planters have their signature Wally Grow aeration holes, which keeps your roots and plants happy. So you should check out Wally Grow this season, not only for my favorite leak proof, sustainable planters, the Wally Grow Eco for your wall and the loop for your hanging planty desires, but now for their delightful home line of planty dish towels, burp cloths, swaddles, and even pillowcases. We have their placemats in our dining room table and it feels so grown up and so fun. So Wally Grow is offering a very limited time 15% discount to Bloom and Grow Radio listeners from November 9th to the 23rd. They very rarely give out discount codes. So if you want to take advantage of it, use it. It's code Maria15 at checkout at Wally Grow and that's G-R-O-W.com. Once again, it's code Maria15 at Wally Grow, G-R-O-W.com. Interesting. And Reagan, I'm going to ask you this question. And if you're uncomfortable answering it, or if you just genuinely don't know what the answer is, that's fine. But I've always been curious too, like, is there a range for plant stylists for like an hourly rate? I feel like the range I've heard $25 an hour and I've heard two or $300 an hour. I feel like it's very varied. So do you have a sense of what people are charging? Okay. So this is a common question that's so important and it goes across many fields. The same question often applies to photography. What do you charge as a freelancer? Mm -hmm. And I always give people this advice. Don't worry about what other people are charging initially. Mm -hmm. Go backwards and say, okay, here's my goal annual salary. And then account for taxes, account for your costs, you know, QuickBooks so that you can do your invoices, your gas mileage, all that stuff. Add that on to the number, right? And then say, this is how many hours I think I can realistically work because as a freelancer, you can't work all 40 hours because some of those hours have to be spent at home doing marketing and billing and those kinds of things. So you really have to think about what hours that are going to be billable hours and, and making sure that you're making enough in those billable hours for the hours that you also have to work on things that are behind the scenes, right? Mm -hmm. So account for that and then do the math of what you need to make an hour for your services that will cover all the hours that you actually your 40 work. hour work week. Yeah, totally. Right. All your supplies, 
and you'll still make your goal annual salary. And I kind of, I start at what is my dream goal? Like, okay, if I do this business for five years, it's only worth it to me if I can buy that five years, make this annual salary. And then I work back, okay, I am new. So what do I need to be making this first year to make it worth it for me? Mm-hmm. And then I find out what that hourly rate is. And I don't worry about the competition. And I know that I am worth what I'm charging because I look at my annual salary that I'm going to be making. And then I look at a nurse or I look at a teacher and I'm like, okay, I see where I compare there. And I can feel really confident about what I'm charging. So that's what I do. And then that's going to range greatly for each person and what risk they're willing to take on there, because you may lose some clients based on that. Um, you may gain some clients based on that. So I really can't give you an exact number because it really depends on your risks, risk tolerance. If you think back to my plant doctor coworkers, this is a perfect example here where they had different clients that they were willing to take on and different rates that they were willing to charge depending on their risk reward and also their lifestyle needs. So that's why it's really important. And I did this exercise with them. And I I do it with people all the time that come to me and ask this question. And it makes you feel much more confident about who you want to take on, what you want to say no to when you have this end answer of my goal is to make this much annually. Yeah. No is a very powerful word. And although if you're a yes person like me, it can feel unaligned to say no. It can feel very aligned to say no when you train yourself, you know, because you really do have to understand what you're signing up for and your time and your energy and your spirit that you're going to be giving to all of these clients or, you know, for you, it's clients, for me, it's podcast episodes or, you know, whatever else it is. And yeah, no. And having a larger vision is so important. I love that you brought that up. And that's the exact answer I was hoping you would give (laughs) because how do you qualify money? People's rates are, especially in consulting, so varied and also state to state, you know, someone in New York city is going to have to charge by what you said, something very different than someone in the Midwest or in Texas or somewhere else or in a different country. Okay. So let's talk about social media and entrepreneurship because I've personally had a love-hate relationship with social media since I started Bloom and Grow Radio, but I've known that Instagram would be like the best free marketing tool for my podcast that I could have. And so you have to kind of learn how to play the game and you have to realize like how amazing it is, but also how slippery of a slope it is. So what has your experience been with social media and your brand? Because I could imagine that you blowing up on TikTok was probably directly correlated to Stylish and all of your opportunities pouring in. Yeah. Oh man, I have the same struggle and ultimately remembering that it's a job as well is important and having those kinds of boundaries with social media because it's a job for you. But yeah, it it's insane the power and the free advertising. I mean, it's not free because you have sweat sweat equity in, in there, yeah, yeah. right. And it sure takes a lot of time, but right, so I had this clubhouse which was a um a TikToker mansion creator house, basically in Beverly Hills that they found me through social media. And they said, Hey, we have this wall in the backyard. We want to make a plant wall into it. Can you do it? And I got that job because I am on social media, right? Same. I, I worked with Neve Shulman, who is the host of Catfish. I don't know if you've seen oh, that. Yeah. I loved him on Dancing with the Stars. 
Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's funny. We kind of connected because of that, which is another story for another time. But I helped Reese. He had a new penthouse that he bought in Brooklyn. And I went and helped him plant style that space. Um, And I haven't gotten to post about that project yet because we're waiting for something kind of behind the scenes press related. But um, that became a possibility because of social media. So and I do get a lot of things. I, I know that if social media died, I would still have plenty of work. I just did a hotel last week that had nothing to do with social media, right? So I kind of have that balance of word of mouth on a just day-to-day basis and social media, but you've got to keep chugging along on social media because so many beautiful things come from it. Just make sure that you're still allowing for some play times that still becomes a fun thing for you. Yeah, how do you manage that? Oh gosh, that's... How do you manage it, honestly? <laughs> I uh, don't. I, I'm still figuring it out. Asking for a friend. <laughs> I am the worst person to give advice on this because if you look at my social media, there have definitely been periods where I haven't been consistent. That's because there was so much going on in the world and my life and all these businesses that I've been running. But I've gotten a lot better at it. And you know, having a schedule has been pretty important for me because then I can plan ahead not necessarily always filming ahead, but just knowing when I want to post things is pretty important, especially for TikToks because it's more planning involved for TikToks for me. Stories, I go a little more off the cuff kind of planning, but for TikTok, lots of calendar situations and also having the right tools. That is an underrated thing. That's really important. Like I put off getting a tripod for my iPhone. And so then every time I had to film something, I'd had to find something to prop on you know, you don't realize how much time you waste setting up. Same with lighting every time the light would change. And I've just recently invested in a lot of things for my studio and, you know, it wasn't cheap, but it's going to save me so much time, which time is money. So investing in your tools, don't wait. If you know you're going to use something more than two times, just buy it and have it. Even if it's not a super expensive piece of equipment, you find the cheaper one. If it's going to save you time, and you're going to be making content for a long time, don't wait to invest on that kind of stuff. You can find a ring light on Amazon for $29 yes, exactly. with the iPhone holder. My cast, when I was on Cats, used to make so much fun of me because my trunk, every person when you travel on a musical gets like this trunk and you can keep out of season clothes in it. And you can keep, you know, like your books that you don't want to keep in your suitcase. And mine was filled with studio lights. Like it was filled with ring lights, studio lights, extra microphones, my whole podcasting kit. They were like, oh my God, Maria, you have all the gear, but you're right. Like it, time is money. And also man, a ring light makes a huge difference, right? A steady hand, you know, a tripod instead of a shaky hand or Also for me, like when you talk about boundaries, like figuring out boundaries with my now husband, who was my boyfriend turned fiance through the growth of Blooming Grow, I had to figure out, okay, I have to stop asking him to shoot all my videos for me. Like I need to be a little bit more self-sufficient when it comes to this stuff too, which is really interesting. So let's talk about your content. So I think some people know that they want to have their planty business represented on TikTok. TikTok is the future. Instagram as well. What's your content? You said systems were really important. Like what's your content creation system for TikTok? And you mentioned a calendar. Like I'd love to hear more about that. I, well, because I make educational content, you don't have to make educational content. You know, some people blow up from following the trends and applying them to their hobby. But I find that for me, educational content does best. And so I do have a little more flexibility in terms of planning because if you are following the trends, you kind of have to go 
last second. However, I feel like if you're following the trends, it doesn't involve as much preparation usually. Yeah. You can just like snap it and keep going. Right. For me though, say I'm going to do a TikTok on mealybugs. Okay. Well, one, I always like to, even though I have so much knowledge because I've taken care of so many plants, Mm -hmm. um, I always do like to research before anyways, because sometimes I learn something new that I could apply to my TikTok. So that takes some time. I also need to make sure that I have whatever I'm going to show in the video and it needs to be clean, not like my neem oil with the label ripped off and well all over the place. I need a nice fresh bottle and a nice spray bottle that works, you know? So that's why I like to have the content calendars that I don't have any excuse when it comes to the day that I want to film, or even if I have to push it a day, I have all the knowledge ready. I have my notes, I have the supplies. Um, so I use Airtable to keep things all categorized. Airtable is kind of like a elevated Excel sheet, but it's more user-friendly. Okay. Um, so you don't have to know equations <laughs> basically. And you can also integrate things like your Google calendar, even Slack. So I keep a lot of things in Airtable, including my content calendar. So I'll plan ahead and and then I kind of have filming days that I try and bulk film. Usually that goes out the window. I end up filming not when I think I'm going to, but at least I know my deadline of when I need to post and that helps keep me more regular. And it also helps kind of translate to other things because then I can repurpose that content for reels. I know while I'm talking about mealybugs, I might as well shoot a quick story for Instagram. Um, So that definitely helps me stay consistent. Are you shooting and editing every day or do you have like one day in your week that you devote to your content day? I try one or two days a week for TikTok because TikTok, it's always my face. And so I have to get ready. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And honestly, I don't like doing my hair. You know, like most days I like working in my pajamas. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I try to have two days a week that I know I'm going to do that and that I have to get going. I also am an, an evening person creatively and to film, especially here in Pacific Northwest. You only have so much light. So I know in those mornings, I got to get going right away so that I can can film. Um, but for stories, it's different because I don't have to. Well, one, I don't care as much about being all glammed up for Instagram. And two, I can some, some days not film my face and show my plants. So that's more of an everyday kind of a thing. But I try for at least one to two times a week filming for TikToks. That's awesome. You mentioned that you're looking to build your team. I want to ask what, who was your first hire and what has your hiring process? How big is your team right now? And, and what's the hiring process kind of looked like? So I have had, it also kind of depends on the, the business since it's changed so much. So like for plant doctors, we initially hired one person to assist us with watering, but there was three of us. So we did a lot of things ourselves. We didn't really need to hire. And then when I um, started the plant online shop. I hired a girl to help me package up plants. It's mostly been that I've had one assistant because I have so many things that I need done, but it's so inconsistent of what the schedule is that it it doesn't make sense for me to have multiple employees unless it's a one-off task. Like I would need to build a new website. I would just hire that out as like a, a freelance job for one person. But I pretty consistently, the person that's worked for me has changed a couple of times over the years. But uh, now today I have one assistant and that's sa- stayed pretty consistent of having one assistant that helps me with a lot of different things. I am looking to add now to my team, someone that's really physically capable to help me with these big installs because 
it's a lot of heavy lifting and backbreaking work. My boyfriend always ends up being the person that I just drag along with me and he's great. So helpful, but he needs to focus on his own work too. So I'm definitely at the point now where I'm looking for the right person. That's a really key, hard thing to find is the right person that one you're cool hanging out with for six hours to eight hours a day. And that can get things done and kind of guess what you're going to ask them to do next. But assistant is really helpful with, you know, the TikTok things of keeping things organized, helping me stay accountable. And then any little tasks that I know I can hand off to her. I don't need to do myself. I, I will do that. I love that. Do you have any suggestions for budding plant stylists for how they could get their first 50 clients? Yes. Well, one, just go look for places that already have plants. Hey, do you have someone that takes care of your plants or do you need help? Especially if they're like not looking so good, like especially going to places like coffee shops. You know, if you could find just 10 coffee shops that you just start by taking care of their plants, I wouldn't say that that's going to be a huge you know, thing to bring in the dough is taking care of plants. You can only charge so much because it's a weekly cost for that client. But once you start taking care of the plants, eventually one of those clients is going to say, Hey, you know, we actually wanted to put a, a plant wall over there or Hey, we've always wanted a fiddle leaf get in this corner. Can you bring that in for us? And there you've got your first plant styling client. And then from there, it's pretty likely that someone else will say, notice that you did that. Or maybe you put a little plaque with your business name on there and someone walks by and sees plants by bloom and grow. And then they're like, oh, I need that. You know, so usually within your city, it'll, it'll spread pretty quick because plants are so infectious. Everyone wants them, but starting in with the maintenance is a good way to get your foot in the door. And there are also, I think a lot of people are like really looking to fully pivot from something and not having a lot of expertise. I think cutting your teeth, not being an entrepreneur, like I think getting a local job at a greenhouse or a nursery or a plant shop that maybe does those corporate things. And you could just go work for another company, take a couple of corporate plant care jobs, learn on the site. Because my other question was, how have you navigated not having a degree in horticulture? Are you constantly reading plant care books? Are you taking local classes? Like, how are you navigating that being a, you know, plant care advisor now? That's a great question. I get that a lot. Initially, so much Googling, (laughs) but I learned also just by trial and error because I was taking care of so many plants at one time, not just the ones in my home, but I have, you know, 10 to 20 clients seeing every week. And so I'm seeing six jade plants, yeah, 15 pothos, each in different lighting environments, each one, you know, in a different kind of pot. And so I learned so much just from that hands-on experience of dealing with so many plants. So you're, you're right. If you're working at a nursery or something like that, you're going to learn a lot just intuitively. But now I try and find experts in their field and look up their name in the podcast search engine and look, listen to all their podcasts. I read books. Google is your friend, except you have to be very careful because there's so much. Oh, there's so much planty fake news. That's the episode before our episode is planty fake news. I had a horticulturist culturist on and we busted three plant myths and plant hacks that don't work. But um, yeah, I think the educational component is really interesting. And I think experience speaks a lot to it. I think I see a lot of people trying to get into the industry with not enough thinking, I have 30 plants in there. Okay. So I'll be able to do this for everyone and charge top dollar immediately. And I feel like what you're talking about is like your small town experience with the plant doctors, letting that grow. And now you're kind of ready here. I feel like the planty fake news is real. And a lot of people are really earnestly like trying to really kind of 
expedite their learning to kind of do these dreams that they have, but it's hard. You either have to like enroll in like a very expensive degree or just like be at YouTube and like blogs, whims and say a prayer that it's right. You know, I know it's always awkward when I see another plant influencer that I like, but say something that is wrong. And I see it all the time, unfortunately, but it's also like information is always changing. You know, it's science and like, they're always learning new things, especially like the categorization of plants. It's always changing. Like they're always getting it wrong and having to change things around. So it's a never ending process. The snake plant is a Dracaena now. What the hell? I'm still processing that. One other thing, and I know I've said this on other planty business podcasts in the series of the show, but something I did when I first started out was I made a business card and it was like right when I started and I like was still putting my podcast together and I didn't have a website, but I made myself an email with at bloomandgrowradio.com and I made a business card and I just had it to pass out. And I felt like energetically that put me in a space of owning like, yeah, I never wanted to be a plant stylist, but I could see, make yourself a business card when you go into these coffee shops and, you know, it just makes you look a little bit more real, right? Like you you went out of your way to make a business card and it's little, it's like a little thing, but I think it's important. So for people who want to grow on TikTok, what are your top three tips? One, a good hook. I got really lucky with that. I work with houseplants for a living. Yes, I work with houseplants for a living is my hook. And I think it must have been like intuition because like I have all this knowledge already. So I must have like in the back of my head known this is a good idea. But it was really just kind of coincidental that I sat down the very first time and said, I work with houseplants for a living. But that hook has so many good things. One, it's under three seconds. Mm -hmm. And it'll grab your attention because... You're like, I work with houseplants for a living. I didn't even know that's something you could do. That sounds fun and cool. Who is this chick? Yeah, totally. Right. So it gives you like one more second to see what I'm going to say next because you're like, what is she going to do? Also, it builds credibility because I work with houseplants for a living. So whatever I'm about to say next, you're going to believe. Right. You're not an enthusiast. Yeah. So yeah. And I think it's just like a friendly, good way to start. So finding some sort of hook, it does not have to be the same thing every time, although consistency is helpful because people like a familiar and it's something to do with your psychology of familiarity. So a good hook. That's important. I also would say always watch your own content thinking from the lens. This is a rabbit hole I go down of would I actually care about this if I was watching mm, it If you weren't feed? you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you serving your, your follower? Right. Because it's easy to get caught up in what we look like or <laughs> like, I like this idea, but is it actually interesting and cutting out the fat of what might not be interesting, but don't let that cripple you because sometimes I won't post things, especially on my story, because I'm like, Oh, that's not going to be interesting. And then I go watch other people's stuff. And I'm like, it is interesting. I should just post it. You know, like just because I don't think it's interesting doesn't mean someone else wouldn't. So don't let it cripple you, but do keep an analytical eye of where would I maybe get bored if I was watching this from someone else's perspective. And the third one is captions, not just your caption, but you're also closed captioning in the video. I'm not sure, but I, I think that if you do it in app, the algorithms probably take that into consideration of how to categorize your video. So if you're writing about houseplants in your closed captions, I think that might help a little bit, but I'm, like I said, I don't actually know that for a fact, but I do suspect that also having them is good because when most people actually don't listen with audio, even on TikTok and also on, on reels, if you go to like the explore page and you, you see how they start playing without audio and you might click on one, the reason you would click is because there's something interesting there. And if there's no captioning, 
then you don't know what the video is about. You'd never click on it. So I think captioning is really important, whether you, you do it through the app or you make it on your own. It's very, very going to level up your, your game. I love it. Are you TikTok or Instagram? For a young plantrepreneur, where should you spend your time? That's a trick question. <laughs> I, I say TikTok because there's- Obviously, you have to say TikTok. <laughs> yeah, better opportunity for growth. But like ultimately, just having a TikTok isn't going to do anything for you. You know, you have to take people off the platform and Instagram is easier to do that. So if you have a good Instagram following, that's, I think, much more valuable than a good TikTok following. But it is easier to blow up on TikTok. Yeah. And then use it to kind of grow your Instagram when you can. Well, you're awesome. Let's be plantrepreneur friends. Yes, absolutely. What's next? What's the one, five, 10 year plan? Oh gosh. I, well, my dream is to have a show about plant styling. I would love to have some sort of like other medium beyond social media where I can educate people. And I mean, it doesn't have to be a show, but some other medium beyond social media. That's my dream. And also I really, really want to relaunch Stylish as a plant shop, not just the plants, honestly, but tools like pottery and all, all that stuff that are outside of what you would expect or you would find from normal places. I have so many ideas there of what I would like to do. I was thinking of you when I watched and fell in love and became obsessed with the TV show, My Dream Home Makeover with Studio McGee. You know that show? Oh, I haven't. Oh, Oh, girl, you got to watch that because when I watched it, she's this very fancy interior designer and built this whole TV show around her life and her interior design company. And I was like, oh, I wonder, I could like totally see Reagan doing this because it's a similar like design focused thing, you know? This is what I'm manifesting. I would love that. So you got to binge that TV show. Also would recommend if you like interior design. I don't even love interior design that much, but I've binged both seasons of that show. It's a very appealing aesthetic. Well, where can we all find you? Yeah, I know you've got a million things going on, but you do you do have one Instagram and one TikTok. You have many businesses, but uh where can we find you if we want to follow your journey? Best place is probably Reagan Kastner on both Instagram and TikTok. TikTok you'll find mostly my plant care tips, but to really follow the journey, Instagram is the best place. I I post a lot more frequently there. I also have a YouTube channel that I'll be relaunching. I've posted like a couple videos, but they're nothing super exciting. But by the time this podcast comes out, fingers crossed, I will have reposted using all my new gear I invested in YouTube videos. So that's my next venture to really get consistent about. So those three places are probably the best places to find me. Well, thank you. I feel like you gave some really tangible, actionable steps. And also I think something very admirable about you is it sounds like you're like the, you know, the tomato plant I always think about. It's like, you got to just pivot in entrepreneurship, right? Like you just got to keep moving and you got to not get down. And there's a teachable moment everywhere if you choose to see it that way. And I know I've learned that lesson over and over and over and over again this year. So it was nice to hear someone else experiences that too. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I love talking about this stuff. I'll do it anytime. Um, And yeah, I hope this is really helpful to people that have ever considered being plant entrepreneur and they can uh, take some tips from this. Awesome. Well, thanks. I'll see you on Instagram. Okay. Thank you so much, Reagan. Follow Reagan on TikTok and Instagram. Follow me on TikTok too. If you're over there on the app, I'm over there too sometimes doing pretty silly things, but gee, I really like Reagan. 
this was really nice to connect with her. She has such a beautifully clear vision. And like I said in the recording, she just ebbs and flows, just like that tomato plant I was talking about. She's very inspirational. I can't wait to see what she does next. Can't wait to watch her TV show. So definitely go check her out on all of her channels. Thanks to our episode sponsors. This week, we had Modern Sprout and Wally Grow. As we enter the gift-giving season, plant friends, if you love Bloom and Grow Radio, supporting our sponsors is a wonderful way to support the podcast because it signals to them that you guys are listening and that I am indeed helping be the matchmaker to our listener community with these planty companies that I know, adore, and love. Oh boy, so many fun things going on this month, this season, plant friends. I hope that as we re-enter the holiday season this year in different places than we were last year, maybe with more restrictions, maybe without, depending on where you are. I hope that you are stress-free and surrounded by people that you love and that love you and that you love your plants and your plants love you back and they're happy. And until next time, keep blooming and keep growing. Plant friend, thank you for tuning in today. If you like what you heard, make sure you're subscribed to the show so you never miss an episode. And while you're there subscribing, why don't you click over to the review section and leave us a review? It would be tremendously helpful for the show, so thanks in advance. If you're looking for more planty content or ways to help and support the show or engage with our community, we've got a ton of options for you. So first, there's the free Bloom and Grow Plant Parent Personality Test. It is a super fun three-minute test that I made for you that pairs you with your plant parent personality profile, where you'll learn your planty strengths and weaknesses and get a curated list of plants, projects, and podcast episodes that are right up your alley tailored just for you. The test lives at Bloom and growradio.com slash personality and you have to let me know what your results are on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram at Bloom and Grow Radio. If you're interested in supporting Bloom and Grow Radio, consider becoming a Patreon plant friend of the show. Patreon plant friends are members of the community who support the show monetarily on a monthly basis for as little as $4 a month and these magical humans help support the show and bring our content to as many planty eyes and ears as possible. Once you join, you'll also get the secret password to our Facebook group, which I like to call the plantiest corner of the internet. We have a lot of fun over there. You can become a Patreon plant friend at patreon.com slash bloom and grow radio. And of course, you can also just join our newsletter that I like to call the Garden Club. When you join our Garden Club, you'll receive a free download of the exclusive Molly Mansfield Keep Blooming print, which is so adorable. And I'll slide into your inboxes usually only around twice a month with plant care tips, recent episodes, and announcements. You can join at bloomandgrowradio.com slash community. And for anything else, plant friends, I'm here for you. So feel free to drop me a line when you have an idea for an episode, an event, or maybe even if you're a planty business interested in sponsoring the show. Thanks again for listening. It is my honor and delight to help you keep blooming and keep growing. friends, propagate knowledge, and grow some freaking joy. That's the motto of the Growing Joy Garden Society app and platform, otherwise known as the plantiest and kindest corner of the internet. If you've been an OG listener or a longtime listener, you might also know this app and platform as the Bloom and Grow Garden Party, but with the rebrand, we've rebranded it to the Growing Joy Garden Society. No trolls allowed, kind plant friends only. And if you haven't heard about the society yet, Plant Friend, you got to join. It's my online community that you can access via iOS or Android app 
or on your computer that I built to connect our international community of plant friends so we can all nerd out together about plants and celebrate our passion for our beloved plant babies. We have members literally all over the world. I'm so in love with this community of sweet plant friends. I can't say enough amazing things about them. But also there's a lot of really cool features about the app you might be interested in. There's dedicated hashtags to all sorts of different subsects of planty passions like houseplants, gardening, plant-inspired DIY projects, growing joy, plants and pets, and so many more. There's a plantrepreneur group, so if you're a planty entrepreneur and you want to connect with other planty entrepreneurs, you can join that group to connect and network. There's a plant swap section, plus the entire app, and this is my favorite part, is entirely searchable. So say you want to learn more about Hoya, you type the word Hoya into the search bar, and literally every post ever created about Hoya will Will pop up so you can click in, see what other people have been posting about Hoya and learn on your own and crowdsource hair information. It's so cool. But last but not least, it's an amazing way to support the show. Your monthly membership not only goes to sustaining the platform, but it also supports my team of editors, writers, and a community manager that help the world of Bloom and Grow keep growing. So come join us. All you got to do is go to jointhegardensociety.com and sign up for the community plan. Once again, you go to jointhegardensociety.com and click Click the community plan. Hot take plant friends. There is no one right starter plant. There, I said it. And you know what? While I'm at it, there are also no real plant killers in the world. There are just people who have not figured out their right plants for their lifestyle. This is why I created the free Plant Parent Personality Test, because Plant Friend, I want you to get thriving alongside your houseplants as quickly as possible, so I made this cutie little Plant Parent Personality Quiz that's totally free for you on my website to take the guesswork out of building your plant collection effortlessly and joyfully. After speaking to thousands of members in our community, I realized that there are about five key plant parent personalities, each one with their unique set of strengths, weaknesses, and a unique set of plants that thrive under their care. For example, a mindful plant parent, someone who wants to engage with their plants daily, use them in their morning routines. If someone gifted that plant parent a succulent and they watered it every day, that succulent would die immediately. However... That drought-resistant succulent is a perfect match for a low-key plant parent, which is someone who travels, has kids, is busy, doesn't have time to engage with their plants every day. They're looking to engage with their plants more like once a week or once every couple of weeks. In addition, obviously, to understanding your light and basic plant care that we provide on this podcast, Happy Plant Parenthood is all about discovering your personality and then picking the right house plants to go with it. It's that simple. No more stressing over your collection. So what plant parent personality type are you, plant friend? All you got to do to find out is take my free quiz on my website and let me know. You can access it at growingjoywithmaria.com slash personality. After taking the test, you'll get an email with a list of plants, podcast episodes, and planty projects that I think would light you specifically up like a full spectrum grow light. So once again, that's growingjoywithmaria.com slash personality for your free plant parent personality test results. Mm-hmm. 